Hey everyone, welcome to Just Mental Health with Steph and M, the podcast where we discuss mental health through a social justice lens. I'm Emily. And I'm Stephanie. A quick disclaimer before we get started, we are mental health professionals, but this is not to be taken as professional advice. We are also aware that our privilege may cloud our perspective on some topics, and we not only welcome, but encourage you to message us with criticism and correction. Let's get started. Uh, We're going to start with our small business shout out. Uh, I'm really excited to share this business because uh, a friend, a good friend of mine owns the business and I actually um, use his services. So it's um, Forte Community Music Project. It's owned by Mike Pope. Um, So... Forte is a nonprofit organization. Local, okay, Forte Community Music Project is a local black led, community oriented, Chicago based nonprofit community music school. We are dedicated to leveraging our community, community to change lives through music. So they do virtual voice lessons. Their mission is to give voice lessons and just access to learning music to everyone. Um, They don't want finances or previous uh, experience with music to get in the way of people getting a music education. And if you go to the website and click the about tab, Mike gives a bit of a personal story about his background and what got him into music and why he's so passionate about this. And the um, cost is on a sliding scale. So it's really important to him that, so a sliding scale, for those of you who don't know what that means, that just means that you pay, basically you pay what you can. Um, Cause it's very important to him that everyone has access. And uh, I actually take voice lessons. I was seeing Mike himself, but he is passing his students off to, he hired uh, a couple other people to actually do the voice lessons and he's going to just be running the business. Um, moving up. Yeah, which I'm sad about because he's a really good teacher and just a really cool person in general. But um, yeah, I'm excited to meet this new teacher. So if you're looking for voice lessons, it's called Forte. So Forte CPM, Forte Community Music Project, ForteCPM.org to learn more. And yeah, it is really cool. So let's get started. We have a guest today. Yes. um, Lavinia Popescu now is a psychology student with a specialization in mental health and experience in positive psychology. She has worked in mental health in Madrid, Spain, and also in North London. And she's here with us today um, to talk about those experiences. Welcome. Hello, girls. <laughs> we're so glad that, yeah, that, that you were able to do this. Um, so our first question is, because you've worked in different countries, can you tell us what that work was like and what that experience was like for you um, working in Spain and North London? And then how was it different from what you've noticed um, with mental health here in the United States? Um, so I have to say, I don't have much experience in, the, uh, in here at the moment. I have only a few months. So mm-hmm. uh, our knowledge is very new. Experience in the United States. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. About the culture, about like working here in mental health and uh, yeah, all that in general. So what I can say about uh, Madrid is um, I was working in mental health of adults. It was a daily unit. That means they were coming to have uh, sessions with us. They were totally independent. And some of them, they had jobs too. So they had um, therapy in the afternoon. And my job was um, to give group sessions for two hours, if I remember. 
right <laughs> um, about uh, positive psychology. Uh, it was more focused on well-being, uh, being grateful, uh, knowing our strength, working our in our weaknesses. Um, about London, it was a residential unit, few of them. I was working with um, women most of my time. Uh, we had um, sessions pretty much about the same. Just, um, I think positive psychology wasn't very popular there. And the approach in, in mental health, it was still new. So um, we did like more life skills and the same, we were working a lot and being grateful. We had art therapy too. So um, that was my experience. And here, mm-hmm. I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a therapist assistant, so uh, she works with them, but we have group sessions. Um, and we talk about um, the kids in general, they have a post-traumatic disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, they went through a lot in their lives. So we work with that. Um, how to communicate better their emotions and feelings, um, their struggles, how to go through difficult moments. And I'm there for them all the time, Monday to Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and you said it was a, it was a children's, like psychiatric hospital? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The ages are from uh, 14 to 20 years old. Okay. Teenager and young adults. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like teenagers and then young adults. So not young children. No. Okay. The adolescent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are in the hospital lockdown. Right. Yeah, they can leave and they are in this program from for at least nine months. Oh wow. Wow, yeah. That's a yes, they have um few diagnoses, so it's takes a lot of time to work with them. No, that's good, I think, because I know some hospitals are like 90 days, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's not enough. So um Okay, cool. So you've done um, a lot of different things. I think that positive psychology, positive psychology um, sounds really interesting. Um, so what are your thoughts on uh, kind of the differences in either the culture or like the approach um, between some of these you know, European cities versus the United States regarding mental health? See, one of the, the differences is culture. I think in Spain, we didn't have so many boundaries with the clients, with the patients. It was like more low key. It was always also like a daily unit. So, you know, they were coming only for a few hours. It's not the same when it's residential. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what I noticed even moving to, to U- the UK, uh, they did. They did have a lot of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so our um, daily tasks they were very organized. Um, I don't want to compare myself like a robot, but <laughs> it was a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it kind of felt that way in comparison to what you were doing in Spain. Yes, definitely. We had like to follow a lot of steps and to be very careful what we say, how we act, uh, because we never wanted to cross that line. Mm -hmm. And um, about here, um, I'm still working on the boundaries. I'm still like observing how is the situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But I definitely am seeing like less boundary than um, in England. Really? Interesting. 
That is interesting because I feel like there's such a stress on boundaries here. I feel like that's like always like when we talked about ethics in grad school that are like at our right um, old job, a former job at um, the nonprofit. Stephanie and I both worked for it. it was like constant boundaries or constant like checking yourself and making sure that you're following all the rules like don't get sued or don't like yeah pretty much that's what it was <laughs> don't get sued don't yeah. get us sued <laughs> yeah, I care about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's interesting um, so you feel like in Spain though it was a bit more relaxed or a lot more relaxed oh yeah uh-huh. yeah huh. because they are single I feel like Spanish people they're like more sociable um as I say, I don't know how it's working in a hospital mm-hmm. in Spain, but um, being so sociable, we're like more open to have mm-hmm. like any kind of conversations. Um, yeah. That I makes sense. Hmm. Sorry. Yeah, this I, I don't remember like in Spain having like a dress code or, mm. a, you know, communication boundaries of course there were like some subjects that they couldn't like be open to but that's like obvious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, three of or four of them in the world and <laughs> country. <laughs> but um I remember that in England it was shock I mean I had like a shock at the beginning because I was like stressed I was like stiff you know like talking around and um just in case, you know, yeah, in the wrong direction, or the manager they get they get upset. So, um, yeah. So I not coming like coming from like just the the shift, the change, coming from such a relaxed environment. Because I lived in Spain for six months after college, and this actually makes like what you're saying. I didn't work in the mental health field, but it makes a lot of sense just from what I picked up from the culture. I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, and I'd imagine the shift was uh, hard to get used to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. So you have the regular culture shock of just being in another country, but then you have the professional differences of going into you know, a similar field, but now they're, the culture in the workplace is different. And what's expected of you is different. Um, so, yeah. And so when you said you came to, you've been in the U.S., you've been working um, just a few months and you're still observing, trying to sort of figure out what what those cultural um, expectations are. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that I, I can notice here is... Um, we have a problem with documents and paper shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of things do fill out. A lot oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why is that, but like... It my wasn't like back. that in, in London and Madrid? Uh, no, I think we were like <laughs> a little bit more technology, I guess. I don't know oh, why. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, you know, I'm actually, that makes sense. <laughs> why are we so behind? Uh-huh. Like yeah (laughs) I don't know if you agree with me or not but there's so many things to do yes you're right okay I'm like in a group session like or I have four group sessions a day and I spend like rest of my time like writing down things am I thinking writing things down yes (laughs) yeah I'm thinking like why we have so much technology if we are not using it. Oh my gosh, like exactly. A pen and a paper and printing like documents over documents and sheets. Okay. Yes, <laughs> yeah. no, I completely, why do we print so much stuff when everything's electronic? Yes, I asked myself that question <laughs> three and a half years at, at yeah. uh, my old job. It was like, like we could type it, but we had to print it and put it in the like physical file that you hold yeah. in your hand rather than just which defeats the, the whole electronic purpose. records. There is yeah. like a folder for everything. Yes. Like, we have like 20 folders and I'm, 
I'm thinking again, it's like, why if they like the kids, they have a folder for themselves. I can just put this in there and that's about it. No, um, that's only one thing that I think I noticed like the second day of work. It's like, oh my God, I'm getting here pretty lost between so many papers. <laughs> Yeah. I just think that's hilarious because that is like, that's what every clinician in the U.S. complains about yeah. is doing notes and paperwork. And so then to hear like somebody else say like, that's different. That was new. It doesn't have, have to, to be this way. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, we're right. We're not just complaining. Like just it, fine it. it is ridiculous how much paperwork we have to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's one thing. Yeah. I'm curious though, um, if we could go back to the, um, the boundaries, um, the point we were, you were making about that. Do you have thoughts on what you, like, which you, which approach you think like more, the, the stricter boundaries or the less strict boundaries since you've, um, been in both environments, do you have thoughts on which you think is more beneficial? Um, <laughs> I can like talk about myself that I feel more relaxed in here working, to mm-hmm. be honest. I remember myself, maybe I was too fresh, like, you know, after school, after two years leaving school, working mm-hmm. in England, maybe I was too fresh, but I feel myself like more confident and relaxed in this kind of environment here in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I will go with uh, the Spanish one, to be honest. Because at the end, we are like professional and patients. We can be friends. Um, can't get along too much because we are here to do our job and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned from the English. Um, because sometimes you empathize too much. Mm-hmm. So I think with that uh, environment in Spain, maybe you as a professional don't know the limit you know because the environment is like this so um i i will go for now as i'm talking about myself and i think uh for the patients will be better the approach that they have here mm-hmm. so like the u.s is kind of in the middle between spain <laughs> and the uk like as far as how strict and how relaxed yes I think it's very important like for the for the you know the employee to be relaxed and offer patience. You know, when your mind is um you are confident, I'm like talking about confidence a lot. When you're like confident what you are doing, um I think they can like feel that they can perceive that and you can work better with them mm-hmm. so i'm not stressed about so many rules and so many like boundaries um right. I, will do, I will do a better job it's yeah. yeah you know i like what you said and i think that's really interesting that the those sort of professional boundaries that you're talking about can help you as the clinician keep that separation so that because you're right it is really easy to empathize that's why we go into this field because we care about people and we connect with people and then you empathize with your clients and if you don't have good professional boundaries you can get too invested um you can get burned out which we've we've done an episode about that you guys should check it out it's in season one but um and you can also maybe blur the lines with clients so that they might think the relationship is different than it actually is. Um, so you're right. It, it does kind of help you make sure you're doing your job and you're not um, overstepping anything or crossing any of their boundaries either. Exactly. Because you don't want them to feel like, Oh, I'm the favorite. Yeah. That's very important because in I can group that. setting, yeah. What's that? Sorry. No, I said because you you did a lot of groups. So in a group setting, yes. that's really especially important. Yes. Yeah. And of course, it's like there are some people like more. I'm talking about patients. 
um, clients. We call them clients. That's one thing. Yeah. I learned. <laughs> so that was different. <laughs> yes. We call them clients in London. Patients in Spain and here patients too. So <laughs> at a hospital, they're probably, yeah, it depends on where you work. Mine are clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yours are okay. Yeah. So, but in a hospital patients. Yeah. Okay. But you were making a point. Sorry. We, we cut. We um, cut. Yeah. You don't want, uh, I think I was going there. You don't want uh, anybody to feel like special favorite because that's where their struggle, most of their struggle, you know, they didn't have anybody to, right. they didn't have any kind of support in their lives. They don't, and you don't want them to attach to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I, th- I think in Spain, you have to be like very, very careful because being so sociable and being so open, you don't want to show that. Yeah, there's definitely, um, that's definitely a possibility. And that's like the reason that we have these boundaries um, and that they teach us these boundaries in the first place. But then also, you know, if it, they're too strict, like you said, that's not, not, a, not a relaxed environment. And then you can't, yeah. you can't do your job and you can't, you know, build, build the relationship. Cause sometimes I feel like it, if the boundaries are too strict, it, you have to have boundaries so that you can have an, a very strong therapeutic relationship, but not cross into like a friendship. And exactly. it's, it is hard to find that balance. So it's interesting how different parts of the world approach it differently. And um, I want to mention something else. Mm-hmm. I have an internship in Romania. That is my um, country. I was mm-hmm. born there. And um, I didn't work there, but I, I did study for one year no boundaries that's another thing in romania no boundaries no boundaries no they have to work on that a lot (laughs) a lot even like relationship teacher student no boundaries so um interesting that was very curious to see it and for me personal was a, a struggle because um I think has to be a limit of respect, education between a relationship, mm-hmm. friendship, you know? So crossing those lines, it's not very nice to see it. And it's not very nice to see in the university talking about um, people with mental health issues, like crazy people. So, oh, is that kind of how it was talked about? Yes. Oh, interesting. Like, not all the teachers. I'm like pointing two or three. Mm-hmm. But it's not nice to see it anyways. Uh, it's something, it was always my complaint. And um, I don't know how good the experience was for me. I mean, it was very good to see and to appreciate and value my life as a student in Spain. And right now, because I, I received the right education and a very good education. So I can be like a very good clinician, a professional. Mm-hmm. And I feel like bad for people that receive those kinds of education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. So you, cause you were born in Romania and you grew up there, right? 10 years, yeah, I moved when I was 10 years. Oh, okay, okay. So you moved when you were 10 years old. So what was that? Cause you said if there was no there's no boundaries really there. Um, what was that like when you moved to then like be a student and now there's all these boundaries? Um, I mean, are you talking about Romania, right? When I, the cultural shock and everybody would be surprised because it's my country, right? How I can have a cultural shock. <laughs> I do have it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, was very, very difficult, the relationship between like the university at the beginning, because I feel like, as I said, in Spain, we have very good like communication. We're very open to talk. And I think maybe Emily can agree uh, about everything. Um, that's the first thing it was, they weren't very open to talk. 
because you should know things. How you should know things if they don't explain it to you? It's mm-hmm. such a basic thing, to be honest. Um, that's what, one thing. Communication is very, very bad. Um, the approach of psychology, it's very memorizing. And I think all well, the universities, they have that. But they don't have a lot of practice. Oh, yeah. So they just like open books, talk about it, give you that information, go take the exam, and that's about it. Mm. Oh, interesting. So it's very, very, I'm just like empathizing with the students because how you can learn from such a close system, right? How you can like Mm -hmm. be a good professional if the one that you have in front of you, they don't share the knowledge, the proper knowledge with you. Mm -hmm. So um, to be honest with you, if I'm 100% honest, I didn't learn almost anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you were in Romania. Yes, yes, yeah. It was out of my curiosity. Nobody sent me there. It was my choice. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see how my country changed through the years and um, maybe change in business area for psychology. I don't think they are very advanced. Mm-hmm. So um, it was an experience to value and be more grateful with what I have and what I am. Positive psychology. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's a nice reframe for everything. Like I'll take that experience and I'll be grateful. <laughs> okay, <Exactly>. good. <laughs> that's so interesting, like, because, you know, I, I'm sure in many fields, but particularly in our field, the book knowledge is a small fraction of it. Like, if you don't have the actual like getting in the field and it's just like, here's the information, memorize it, or even like learn to think about it yourself and like analyze it and assess it and come up with your own ideas and come up with your own opinions and your own thoughts. Like that's all a very important part of the learning process. It's just like, here's the information, like memorize it, take your exam. That's so, it. Feel like, yeah, I can see how that is pretty problematic. Yeah. And especially because like psychology, therapy, um, counseling, mental health, any, you know, any of that stuff that falls under that umbrella, that's very much a field that you have, it's called a practice, right? Because you have to all the time practice it and use the skills and they're changing. It's a field that's always changing. And so if you're just learning from the textbooks and you're not then putting that stuff into practice. I mean, I could only imagine when you go into a job and you have to now work with people who do not fit the textbook definition of anything, how can you adapt or think on your feet or, or, or draw from any previous experience? Um, You're kind of learning all those lessons at the when you're on the job instead of when you're in school, when it's a little safer um, to learn those lessons because there's less at stake. Um, yeah. 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 And how you, how insecure you feel, you know, to look for a job, do I have enough knowledge to go and get the job? That's, mm-hmm. that's unfair when you like pay for your education, you are expecting something else and they are in there to share that with you. As I, as I said, um yeah that was one thing that I didn't yeah. enjoy too much it was very interesting to see it because maybe in business they are very very good Romanians usually they are very good in business but in this that is very important and we have like more mental issues and the rates of depression depression anxiety goes up and up and up every year we should like focus more how to help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's not just Romania's problem. Like that's everywhere too. Mm-hmm. We don't, and I don't know if maybe, so maybe you'll, you'll get into this, maybe Spain or London looked at mental health issues differently, but I feel like here in the United States, we 
talk a lot about how important mental health is and self-care and, and do all these things. We're starting to, yeah. Yeah. But is that actually, I mean, it's talk because is it actually prioritized? I don't think it is. I don't think our, um, our healthcare system is set up to make mental health important. It's, it's an addition, you know, like the way we do our insurance, a lot of insurances don't cover mental health. Um, and a lot of mental health providers don't take insurance. So it makes it really difficult. Um, and, and it's they just don't take insurance because because insurance sucks <laughs> because it's not prioritized. It's a big, yeah. Yeah. But and I think that's like a problem everywhere because Spain and England, they have, um, public health insurance. Mm-hmm. I can speak more about Spain in this case because, you know, I know more. But um, to go to a uh, therapist in Spain, maybe the waiting list is like three, four months. And when you have the second visit, maybe you have to wait six months. So it's very difficult to progress and to take care of your mental health uh, in these situations. So you you always have to pay. And it's like something outside the system. So I think like everybody has that problem and it's not only the U.S. Mm-hmm. What yeah. I notice here, it's actually people, they go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And that like makes me happy to, to see that because I don't see, I didn't see it too much in, in Spain. Uh, people having problems, they just like keep it by themselves or, you know, we always have a friend that can listen to us. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. But here, people, they do go. To, to therapy they look for resources mm-hmm. yeah I mean I, that that's true that. we do <laughs> therapy is sort of like the thing now it, it wasn't always but more people are definitely getting involved and and going to therapy and it was interesting so you said that because in Spain you said they have um they have uh, national health care Yes. And, um, but mental health does, is not under that. It is, but it's oh. very, like, the list is very, you know, long. Oh, if you're going to use it for mental health, you're on a wait list. Mm. Yeah. I mean, of course, it, it, the therapies, they are so uh, jammed and they are like three therapies by 100,000 people. Oh, wow. So I don't think I, like, wait. Something <laughs> like that. It's, the number is ridiculous. Okay. Or maybe five. I should like, uh, I should have like. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's like a month of people and they are like only three or five. Because my colleagues from university are always complaining about the, the same. Oh, wow. Yes. So imagine like I have a problem and I have this service for free, right? It's included in my, my healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um. So I have to go to my doctor and the doctor to refer me to the, to the therapist. Um, and they give me an appointment in three, four months. Mm. How is that helping me? I mean, you're right, but that happens here too. Um, at least with the initial wait list, it's probably a lot easier to get in once you've seen a therapist at one point, but at least like where I work in rural Kentucky, um, we have people on wait lists for four months just to see a therapist um, and even longer to see a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And there we have um, Medicaid, Medicare and private insurance. So even the private insurance, you know, people are not getting in faster than anyone else, but maybe that's just like, you know, um, demand versus what we can provide. Yeah. Um, maybe it's different, you know, in other parts of the U S maybe the wait list is smaller, but yeah, I mean like in, um, Chicago center for relationship counseling, where I work there, there's only ever like one or two, there's like 20 something therapists. And there's only ever like one or two of us at a time that are taking new clients. And then we 
like whenever I am taking new clients, I'll be like, you know, I'll tell the intake people I can have like mm-hmm. class for like three new clients and then like, bam, bam, bam. And then I'm, then I'll be like, okay, I'm full again. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So same issue for you then. And then you have to start sending people away. Yeah. So what do you think would be a solution? Like we need more therapists. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely in Spain, they need that. Um, here, I think. I guess so. I mean, the demand is so big in the last years and more of this uh, pandemic. In- oh, pandemic. yeah. It- <sighs> yeah, our, our wait list grew from 2020. From the- people that never thought about going to therapy before were like, I guess it's time. <laughs> and it just, our wait-, wait list went from like one to two months to three to four months, um, like overnight. So, but you're, I mean, you, you're right. There needs to be more. There really is a shortage of mental health providers here. And obviously now, I guess in Spain too, they're, they're very short staffed when it comes to clinicians. Um, so why do you think that is? Oh, no, go on. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, like, why do you think there is um, not a lot of therapists in Spain? I think there are a lot of therapists in Spain. It's just if we are talking about the healthcare, the public healthcare, they are not opening jobs for the psychologists. So that's that's the problem in Spain that I'm seeing now. Mm. The demand, like, it's so big and they are not opening jobs because, you know, government jobs has better benefits and better salaries. You always stay there. They cannot fire you. That's what (laughs) Spain has. So I don't know if they can, to be honest, I don't know if all the taxes and all the system that they have, they could cover more openings for therapists. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. That I think is the main problem in Spain. In England, I don't have any idea, to be honest. What was it like in, in England as far as like people, because they have a national health care as well. So what was that like from what you observed, people getting in um, to the program or, or getting help, the wait list, stuff like that? Oh, what I observe in England is they are very, very careful with the people, the professionals. They are very, very nice and very well trained. This is one thing I appreciate for from England. They train us a lot. And if you wanted to be trained more, you can always request it and they will pay for it. You don't have to take care of anything. No. If you want to go back to school and there is a chance they pay for that. So they are very involved in your education and to be a very good professional for them. So um, I don't know what's the uh, shortage of like professionals in England, to be honest, but um, they have a person specializing in everything. When we were going for meetings with the psychiatrist, they were like so lovely and they took their time. Um, I think it's one thing that I'm missing for now here to just to take time to talk with them and to give them that relief, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm here because they depend on the psychiatrist, to be honest, you know, how they change medication and how, and that affects a lot, mm-hmm. the behavior, the mood. Um, I like that a lot. From, from the English, how careful and how, how kind they are. I think it's in their cultures, to be honest. British people, they are very kind. So even at, at work, you know, everything that, if I did something wrong, it always was told kindly. Oh, that's good. And the feedback always was a feedback that I can improve myself and do better you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's important. I mean, to, to get the gentle, 
criticism and, and feedback that will help you grow instead of just like you messed up yeah. <laughs> way to go. Yeah. Now we have to fix your mess, you know? Um, I have, um, huh. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask a, like a, a different topic, but if we can f- f- uh, wrap up, finish this topic, go ahead. No, I think it's like, it's very important in our area because we work, I mean, I always work with um, severe disorders. Mm-hmm. So schizophrenia, paranoia, uh, post-traumatic disorder that they are like such a sad stories and so heavy to work with. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, it's very important, the environment to be kind, to be calm and to be nice. Yes. We can be nice to each other, even between, you know, the employees, the managers, everything, just to be, to take care of each other because we work in such a difficult environment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's tough enough. It's tough enough if you suffer from mental health illness to get help, to be vulnerable, to, you know, go past the stigma and everything to receive help. And then it's tough enough if you're a clinician um, or, or a physician or anyone working with patients with mental health issues, like the least we can do is be kind to each other to make the job a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I was going to ask. So there is a push uh, nowadays uh to be more inclusive of diversity and people um, of different races and gender, um, gender identities, and sexual orientations, and um, and uh, I was curious if you noticed any differences. And I know that it might also be a part of it. Might be like, what? Go ahead. Oh, it's a big difference. <laughs> Go ahead with the question because I can talk about it like hours. (laughs) Yeah, like, well, as a part of it is probably like the time, like these conversations, like if you have spent, you know, the more, like more recent time in the United States, like what can you attribute it to? Like if you can attribute it to like the fact that it was a few years ago versus it's being talked about more Mm -hmm. now, or if it is about the, the cultures, um, but yeah, I was wondering what you noticed about that. Um, yeah, so one one thing I want to point in Spain, we don't ask about the race. Mm. It's something that we don't care if you are white, black, or Latino. Um, I love that because it's none of someone else's business, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, no ethnicity. ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't ask about that stuff you mean you don't ask the client or you don't ask each other it's something in the records you know, when you go at the university they're not going to ask you what the race is because it's not important you are a human being it, it's important how old are you mm-hmm. and you know female or how what's your identity and that's about it um in england they do ask that but applying for jobs, to be honest, I didn't see it at my job neither. So one thing I, when I moved here and I started working, um, we have at work a lot of, I mean, we have a training actually about it. I think maybe it's something that the society here is working on it, right? So you have to have more knowledge Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the training because um, being in, you know, being in, or growing up in a society that we don't talk too much about it because we just uh, accept everybody the way it is and I don't have to question the way that person is. So it's very natural, in my opinion, the way I, I grew up. But um, yes, here I did notice that and... Um, we have kids that they identify uh, he and she, and you have uh, to be very careful. They, to be honest, is they train you for that. But the kids, they are very nice telling you, and they are mm-hmm. very open. 
I appreciate that because you have always to be open, mm -hmm. open-minded and more in these situations. So um, yeah, there is a big, big, big difference regarding that. I don't know who is better. I don't want to, to compare for me growing up with like LGBT, it was natural. Mm -hmm. it's not, it wasn't like something that, oh, she's gay, mm -hmm. you know, transsexual. I, it's, it's something natural. You choose what you choose in life and that's about it. Um, but here they focus more because maybe something new. So you are working on that and maybe Spain like years ago, like 30 years ago, they did the same. So the society was more comfortable with. It's my hmm. idea. So I don't know. I just like, for me, it's very normal. It's not a big of a deal. So I don't know for you what you can share with me. That's an yeah. interesting observation that I wouldn't have paid attention to that because you're right here. It is, um, I mean, now they ask you identifying information, your demographics on everything. And some of it, I, I personally think I'm like, why do they need to know that? But some of it is for like census reasons, just to, so they know, you know, which populations they're serving. But when you say um, it's something that we're working on, I think you do hit the nail on the head there because it seems like it's something the U.S. is always working on is um, being more inclusive and more open. And we can sometimes be really behind in our policies um, and in our laws and stuff than we are in maybe what just the culture of what people talk about and what they accept, but it doesn't always match up, yeah. you know? And I think that um, asking about it is coming at the, the uh, coming at it from the approach of like, it does matter because it affects your life experience. Um, you know, like there's like, I don't ask about race because it doesn't matter you're a person or the idea of it does matter because it affects your experience as a person and that's relevant to your mental health. Um, so just different approach. Well, yeah, and especially here in the US, I don't know how it is in Spain, um, but because there is so much systemic oppression for um minority groups here the global majority but minority in the u.s um that's sort of why that's more talked about so people can be and that's why the cultural diversity and cultural sensitivity trainings are done um so people can, like there, there's some communities here uh where you may grow up and never meet someone who is not white and English speaking um, until you go to college and move away or something. And then suddenly, oh, wow, now there's all these different kinds of people and people will freak out about it. And they, they have, um, there, there's a lot of racism here. I mean, they have, mm -hmm. you know, ideas about what other uh, races or ethnicities or religions are, think and believe. And um, it's just more about educating. So like they will not take those stereotypes with them. Um, okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. That's very interesting for me because um, as I said, I'm, I'm really fresh in this. So I'm, I'm going to keep observing because I'm really interested in that. Uh, it's something that it's new for me. Um um, I remember at work, uh, we have non-white kids and um, you know, for me, it's like very normal to ask everything because if I share something that I do daily, I don't know what's the difference to be honest, but anyways, <laughs> I asked something and a, a manager like approached to me and told me, um, Oh, that's very good. You're asking that because some people, they are not open and they don't want to, 
I can't give you the example, but I don't mm -hmm. know if I can get in that. Um, they are not open to ask um, these people. And for me, it's, it's not these people, it's like people. It's not difference for me. There is no difference that in my mind goes, you know, because I'm, because if not, me as a Romanian, I'm like different than this one and that one. And we are all whites. You know what I mean? If mm -hmm. you want to talk about it. For me, it's like about everything. It's about respect and love each other and be kind to each other. We can like share things and learn things from each other without pointing those stuff. So um, just, I, I would like people to be more kind to each other mm -hmm. and understand and listen. That's very important. Listen to the another person, the feelings, what they have in mind, what they are like past life and background. And that's about it. Doesn't matter mm -hmm. color, sexuality and anything in this life. We are humans and we have to learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. The listening part, like asking about someone, getting to know who they are and then actually listening to the, what they tell you in their experiences um, it is very important. That's something we do in this um in this profession, we're trained to listen. Um, but I think sometimes we still make the mistakes of not fully listening when someone is telling us about their life or their experiences or their viewpoint. Um, Cause we all come with our own, our own stuff, our own biases. So being open, like you said, yeah, that's, that's very important in everything. And especially in this, um, in this field. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we are about it at about an hour. Uh, did you have any other, anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think, I think we covered quite a bit, only one hour. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, no, this was really, um, this was really interesting. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Yes. Thank you for sharing your experiences and answering our questions and, and giving us some insight and for the listeners um, to get some insight into the differences and the similarities um, internationally with, with mental health. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. And I would like to say uh, like the last message, everybody to be kind and lovely to each other. We need more in that in this world and more in these times that we are struggling with ourselves and um, just be kind to each other. Yes. And thank you very much for having me. <laughs> no, very important message. So that's our show. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with friends and family. And don't forget to follow the show's Instagram for updates on new episodes at Just Mental Health Podcast. That is with a period between each word. This is Steph. And M. This is Lavinia. <laughs> Signing off. Thanks for listening.